Some theories are like waves in the water, which can cause a commotion stirring up the peaceful sea. What if I told you a renowned psychiatrist, Dr. Nasser Gami, suggests that adult ADHD is invalid, that adults aren't hyperactive, that maybe we've been mistaking mood disorders for ADHD all along. You might be wondering, is he onto something or is he way off the mark? Well, we're about to dive deep into the heart of this debate, surf these controversial waves, and uncover the truth. And who am I to take you on this wet and wild journey? My name is Dr. Salman Aziz Mirza, and I am a triple board certified psychiatrist in adult psychiatry, child adolescent psychiatry, and addiction medicine. And I'm a terrible swimmer, so let's maybe find a lifeguard. Before going further, let's introduce Dr. Nasser Gami briefly. Dr. Gami went to high school and college where I currently practice in the Northern Virginia area and graduated from medical school where I did my psychiatry residency at Virginia Commonwealth University or Medical College of Virginia as it was known back then. There's at least a couple decades between us, so I do not know him personally. He's been working in Boston for decades and has been a prolific academic psychiatrist with so, so many books, book chapters, and articles written. Long and short, he's a big deal and I respect that. However, he's been a longtime vocal critic of ADHD, especially adult ADHD, which has been brought to light more in the past many months, especially with a series of defiant and dismissive podcast episodes he put out there that caused quite a bit of a stir, and to some extent was the whole reason for doing this whole ADHD is a real series. I'll link to one of his recent letters on this topic in the video description, so feel free to check that one out. But let's get back to addressing some of his claims. Have you ever heard of disease mongering? It's a term used to describe the process of broadening the boundaries of illness in order to expand the markets for those who sell and deliver treatments, i.e. pharmaceutical companies, and those physicians who may benefit financially from working with them. It's a key point in Dr. Gamey's argument. But is ADHD really an invented condition used to sell more medications? Well, I've explored this topic in depth in part three of this series, so make sure to check that one out. And Big Pharma, if you're watching, still waiting for the millions of dollars I'm owed by you, according to all the people online who claim that I am owned by you all. My Venmo link is right here. Alright, so let's grapple now with Dr. Gamey's claim that ADHD should merely be ADD, and since adults aren't hyperactive, adult ADD can't be a thing. It's a bold assertion that challenges our entire understanding of ADHD. First of all, we need to dissect the term ADHD. It stands for Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder. In some people, the H for hyperactivity is quite pronounced, especially in children. They may be constantly on the go, fidgety, and unable to sit still. In others, the H might be less obvious or might manifest differently, particularly in adults. It's not always about physical activity. It can be about a hyperactive mind that jumps from one thought to another. So when Dr. Gamey suggests that adults aren't hyperactive, he's likely referring to the traditional understanding of hyperactivity, the inability to sit still. But this is a narrow perspective that fails to consider the spectrum of how hyperactivity can present in different individuals and at different ages. When it comes to adults, hyperactivity often morphs into feelings of restlessness, impatience, or doing too many things at once. It could manifest as a racing mind that can't switch off, or difficulty in relaxing and unwinding. Also in many adults with ADHD, impulsivity remains a key issue. Impulsivity, like hyperactivity, is a major facet of ADHD. It is often overlooked in discussions like these, probably because there's no I in ADHD. Wait, I have ADHD, and I thought there's no I in team, and 
Anyway, sorry. Impulsive actions can significantly affect an adult's life, whether it's in their personal relationships, their work environment, or their financial decisions. So while the H might not be visible as overt hyperactivity in adults, it still plays a crucial role in the disorder. Ultimately, to dismiss adult ADHD because hyperactivity isn't overt or physically noticeable is to misunderstand the very nature of this condition. One of Dr. Gamey's arguments against adult ADD is his claim that prospective studies disprove that children with ADHD become adults with ADHD, with him claiming that only 20% of children with ADHD continue to have the disorder into adulthood, thus arguing against the validity of adult ADHD. To get this number, Dr. Gamey is using a 2013 article that followed white males with average intelligence with combined type ADHD from childhood into adulthood over 33 years which has numerous limitations, such as excluding those diagnosed with conduct disorder, a known comorbidity of ADHD, and in a ton of or hyperactive only types of ADHD, non-white children, and females. Another article he referenced did a similar trick when doing ADHD race comparisons over time, excluding young adults who had ADHD with another psychiatric comorbidity from the rates of what they counted as ADHD. Dr. Russell Barkley, a leader in the world of ADHD, has put out 57.5% of children with ADHD will go on to become adults with ADHD, a number that is nearly three times to Gamey's was 20%. And 2009 meta-analysis from Simon et al. put the number at 65%, which is more in line with the rule of thirds that I personally discussed when talking with parents about long-term trajectories of an ADHD diagnosis for children. So why do we see such a large discrepancy between these studies? It could be due to differences in how studies define persistence. For example, some studies might define persistence as the full syndrome of ADHD, with both inattentive and hyperactivity and impulsivity symptoms, while others may define it as a presence of significant symptoms of either inattention or hyperactivity impulsivity. Also, there is the aspect of author bias. We can come up with whatever numbers we want when we control the data and who gets to be part of these arbitrary groups, so that it ultimately fits whatever our agenda is. Either way, it's clear that a substantial portion of children with ADHD continue to struggle with the disorder into adulthood. So Dr. Gamey's claim that adult ADD is invalid because a couple prospective studies showed it at only 20% is false. But wait, even if it is truly 20%, that's still 20% that have it, which if there were none would be, wait for it, 0%. Let's now turn to Dr. Gamey's assertion that the symptoms associated with adult ADHD can be better explained by mood disorders or mood temperaments, like cyclothymia, hyperthymia, or dysthymia. First of all, let's clear something up. The diagnosis of ADHD in adults does not negate the possibility of a coexisting mood disorder. In fact, many individuals with ADHD also have coexisting mood disorders, such as depression or bipolar disorder. This comorbidity is well documented in the literature. But it's important to understand that just because two conditions can coexist, it doesn't mean that one is simply a misdiagnosis of the other. Now let's consider the idea that mood temperaments can explain ADHD symptoms. Mood temperaments like psychothymia, hyperthymia, or dysthymia can certainly impact an individual's behavior and attention. However, the symptom profiles for these temperaments in ADHD are distinct. For instance, ADHD is characterized by ongoing symptoms of an intention, hyperactivity, or impulsivity, whereas mood temperaments like psychothymia involve fluctuations between periods of mild depression and hypomania. Furthermore, treatment approaches for ADHD and mood disorders are different. 
Stimulant medication, a common treatment for ADHD, is not typically the first-line treatment for mood disorders. If Dr. Gamey's assertion were correct, we would expect treatments for mood disorders to be just as effective in managing ADHD symptoms. However, this is not the case. What Dr. Gamey's argument seems to miss is that ADHD and mood disorders, although they can share similar symptoms and can coexist, are distinct diagnoses with distinct underlying biological and genetic bases. Studies have shown differences in the structure and function of certain brain areas in individuals with ADHD compared to those without, further solidifying ADHD as a legitimate neurodevelopmental disorder. For more on this, refer back to the first video in this series where we discuss the specific parts of the brain that are different in those with ADHD. Moreover, ADHD treatments are generally extremely effective for reducing the symptoms of ADHD, but not for treating mood disorders, and vice versa. Depending on who you believe and read, stimulants are estimated to be up to 90% effective for ADHD, while antidepressants are estimated to be up to 60% effective for depression and or anxiety. But don't stimulants work for everyone? It's critical to realize that while stimulant medications can help improve concentration and reduce impulsivity and hyperactivity in individuals with ADHD, their effects on individuals without ADHD can be quite different and potentially dangerous. Stimulants don't simply work for everyone. This is not only a misunderstanding, but it's also a hazardous presumption. When misused or used without a prescription, these medications can lead to heart problems, high blood pressure, and even mental health issues like anxiety and paranoia. As a practicing psychiatrist, I can tell you that I have lost count of the number of patients who were initially diagnosed with mood disorders and treated with medications for these mood disorders, often with little to no positive effect. In many cases, these treatments even produce terrible adverse effects. It was only when these patients were correctly diagnosed with ADHD and started on an appropriate treatment plan, often including stimulant medication and or stopping these mood medications, that they experienced significant improvements. Now, why would this be the case if everyone responds positively to stimulants, as Dr. Gamey suggests? It's because this claim is simply not accurate. As I mentioned, the effects of stimulants can vary greatly depending on the individual and whether or not they have ADHD. So when a patient with ADHD responds positively to a stimulant medication, it's not just because everyone does, it's a clear sign that the treatment is addressing the underlying neurodevelopmental disorder that is ADHD. But the real kicker is what Dr. Gamey proposes instead, that adult EDD, since it is a mood disorder, should be treated with a mood stabilizer medication like lithium. Lithium has been a cornerstone of treatment for bipolar disorder for decades. However, it's not without its challenges. Lithium has a narrow therapeutic index, which means the difference between a therapeutic dose and a toxic dose is quite small. This means patients on lithium often require frequent blood tests to ensure that their lithium levels remain in the safe and effective range. The adverse effects of lithium can be quite challenging as well. They can range from relatively minor, but still significant, symptoms such as tremors, increased thirst and urination, to more serious issues like weight gain, kidney damage, and thyroid problems. Moreover, lithium can be quite dangerous if taken in an overdose, and the risk of toxicity increases if the person is dehydrated or takes other medications that interact with it. Contrast this with stimulant medications which are used to treat ADHD. While they do have potential adverse effects such as increased heart rate, blood pressure, decreasing your appetite, and sleep disturbances, these are generally manageable under the careful supervision of a healthcare provider. The risk of severe health consequences with stimulants is significantly lower when compared to lithium, especially when used as directed. Unlike lithium, they don't require blood tests to monitor our levels, making them easier to manage. 
And the worst thing that could happen if we vary our water intake day to day with a stimulant is some mild headaches, not a potential trip to the emergency department. When we look at the claim that ADHD, or as Dr. Gamey would have it, ADD, is a modern invention, we need to understand that our comprehension of medical disorders evolves over time. Centuries of medical literature that Dr. Gamey cites didn't have the benefit of the modern scientific studies and diagnostic techniques we have seen today. We've seen this evolution in our understanding of various conditions. Think about how far we've come in our knowledge of autism, depression, PTSD, just to name a few. This doesn't mean we're inventing new diseases, rather we're getting better at identifying and understanding conditions that have likely been with us all along. With greater awareness and understanding, more adults are getting the help they need to manage their symptoms and live fulfilling lives. The increase in ADHD diagnoses doesn't necessarily mean that it's a fad diagnosis, but more likely reflects this increased awareness and improved diagnostic techniques. Consider also, for instance, the children who were part of the rise in ADHD diagnosis and treatment in the past few decades. They're now grown up. Many have been able to pursue successful careers and build happy lives, outcomes that may not have been possible without appropriate treatment during their formative years. Now, these individuals are starting families of their own, and since ADHD has a substantial genetic component, it's not surprising that we're now seeing a continued prevalence of the disorder. And just for a little extra burn on the way out, that same study that Dr. Gamey pulled his 20% number from showed the following results. Children who were diagnosed with ADHD around eight years old compared to those who were not, and followed all those years later, had statistically significant worse educational, occupational, economic, and social outcomes, more divorces, increased substance use disorders, increased rates of antisocial personality disorder diagnoses, increased psychiatric hospitalizations, and increased incarcerations. And they also died earlier too. It's so why it's important to read the entire paper, people. So while it's important to scrutinize any rapid increase in diagnosis rates, and while we must be mindful of the role that pharmaceutical companies play in our healthcare system, it's also essential to consider the role of increased awareness and understanding in this equation. It's not a simple matter of one cause and one effect. Instead, it's a complex interplay of factors, each deserving of careful and thorough exploration. I think we can confidently conclude that Dr. Gamey saying adult ADD is invalid is, well, invalid. Thanks for staying with me on this four-part journey. We've uncovered a lot of ground in this series exploring that ADHD is a real myth, and I hope it's been as enlightening for you as it has been for me. If you've enjoyed this video, make sure to give it a like, subscribe to the channel for more content like this, and if you know someone who might benefit from watching this, don't hesitate to share with them. Let me know what you thought in the comments below, and feel free to suggest other myths that need a deeper dive like this. I appreciate your support and your feedback, and until next time, be well.